If you have your Bible, you can turn to John uh, chapter 4, John chapter 4. And we're going to be in verse 5 through 14. So if you haven't got your, your Bible reading in, we're going to get it in today because there's a lot. And then also you can put your finger on John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. We're going to read there too. And then we're going to get this thing going. All right. If you're there, say amen. All right. It says, so John, it says, he came to a town called Samaria. He being Jesus called Sikar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the the Samaritan woman replied back to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Say living water. Sir, the woman replied, replied, you have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons also and his livestock? This is where I want us to grab hold this morning. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will, will, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, uh, of water welling up to eternal life. Flip over to John 7, verse 37 through 39, and we're going to read there, and then we're going to go. So John 7, it says, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out, stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Say living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit has, had, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit being in this place. I thank you for the opportunity to come into your house freely and worship you. I ask that you would do something that would blow our minds. I ask that we would have a personal encounter with you in our own way this morning that will change us and shape us to be better and to live better for your name. Let those that need to be saved be saved. Let those that need peace have peace. Let those that need healing, Father, I pray that healing would take forth in this place. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, sometimes I I sit and wonder what it would have been like to have a a personal encounter with Jesus. I'm talking about what would would it have been like to talk to the real physical Jesus face to face. I would have paid money to talk to Jesus face to face. I don't know about you, but could you imagine Jesus in the, in the flesh walking up to you face to face? I can only dream of that opportunity. I can only think of what it would have been like or felt like or how he would have sounded or how he would have looked or how he would have moved or how he would have uh, talked to me or how the words that he would have spoke into my life. I could only imagine. The, the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. So if you need peace, where do you run? To Jesus. The Bible says that he's the healer. So if you need healing this morning, where do you run? 
to Jesus. The Bible says that he's the wonderful counselor. And so instead of running to our friends and the internet and, and, and doctors and, and counselors, because let me tell you something, Dr. Phil and Oprah don't have nothing on Jesus. I know my voice is going out, but I'm going to preach this morning. Look, it's funny how, and this ain't even got nothing to do with my sermon. It's funny how when you have a word, the devil tries to steal it. So I'm coming. The devil ain't stopping me this morning. Uh, so I believe that that one moment in God's presence will change your life forever. I believe that one encounter with the presence of Jesus will shape your destiny forever. And this is where we find ourselves in the text this morning. The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples, they were, they were walking along. And all of a sudden, Jesus pulls out his iPhone. Yes, he would only use Apple products. That's right. We, we can just stop right there. <laughs> Go home. He pulls out his iPhone and he says, wait a minute. Peter, James, John, Judas, hater. <laughs> I, I've got an appointment to go to. I need to go to Samaria. He doesn't say, hey, I might go to Samaria. He says, I need to go to Samaria. And you have to understand that in this time, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't have anything to do with each other. They hated each other. They would actually take the long route around so they wouldn't have to deal with each other. But what I love about Jesus is that he says, the place that everyone wants to stay away from, that's actually the place that I want to go to. The people that no one wants to deal with, that's actually the people that I want to go to. Aren't you glad that we serve an awesome God? that he says, I run to the broken. I run to the people that need, uh, that have been cast off. He runs to the people that no one else wants to deal with. And so he goes to Samaria and he sits on a well and he waits. It's interesting because he's not waiting to talk to a ton of people. He's waiting to talk to one woman. He's not waiting to preach to the multitudes. He's waiting to talk to one woman. This is important because Jesus was probably the busiest man on the face of the earth. He was so busy that what he was preaching then is still being preached today. How many people know that Jesus was a man on a mission and he was busy? He didn't have time to waste. He wasn't going places just for no good. He was going to wait and talk to this woman. He walked around preaching and healing people all day. He just was, he was a busy man. And so Jesus, he goes in spite of his busy schedule and he sits on a well and he waits for this woman. Do you know what I honestly believe? And I, I feel like the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart last night is I believe that before we even step a foot in this sanctuary every week, that Jesus has already come and he's sitting down at the altar and he's waiting And he's probably thinking, oh, I can't wait till they get here. Oh, I can't wait till they come. I've got something to give my children. Oh, if they would come and worship me, I've got something to pour out on their life. I believe that Jesus is waiting for us, and he's sitting here, and he's longing for us to come and to seek him. And so the Bible says that Jesus, he's sitting there, and he's waiting for this one woman to come. And as she comes, get this. She walks by Jesus and ignores him, and he says, I'm just, she just says, I'm going to fill my pot and leave. But I love something about Jesus. He will not be ignored. Jesus will not be ignored. He's sitting on the well. It's interesting that how can you ignore the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the savior of the world, sitting there on the well? This woman, she demonstrates something to us that you can be in the presence of God 
and ignore the person of God. Because if she had realized that sitting on the well was another well, that sitting on the well was the well of living water. If she had just stopped for a moment and realized that the Savior of the world was sitting on the well and she could have tapped into that, her life would never be the same. So you can be in the presence of God and ignore the person of God. She demonstrates that to us. And sometimes we all get to this point. Just be honest this morning. We all get to this point. It's not just one person. It's everyone. See, we can be in the presence of God. This is the music's playing. God's moving. And we could be thinking, man, where am I going to eat lunch after church? We've all been there. You know, you get that growling in your stomach. You're like, ooh. And when you lift your hand higher, it gets worse. Where am I going to eat lunch? Cassoulet is sounding good this morning. I don't know if you like that, but I do. You could be in the presence of God and thinking, man, how many more songs are they going to sing? I don't even like this key. That ain't my key. I'm just going to stand here this morning. You can be in the presence of God and think, man, uh, I'm so tired. I just want to sit down. I had a long night. I was watching college football. I was watching Alabama whip up on somebody. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying. No, I'm not prophesying. You're thinking, man, I'm in the presence of God. I'm so tired right now. I wish I could just sit down. And so she goes and she ignores Jesus. She ignores Jesus, and I love that he won't be ignored because Jesus says, ma'am, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? Now, understand that this woman has had bad encounters and bad history with men. This woman has had bad history not only with men but with Jews. Samaritans hated Jews like we stated in the beginning. Jews hated Samaritans. Uh, They didn't have dealings with each other. She had bad experiences with Jews and with men in general. The Bible tells us that this woman has had five husbands and now was living with the sixth man that wasn't her husband. She's had bad encounters with men. And so my thinking is that if you've had five husbands and are now living with the sixth, you ain't ugly. You ain't ugly. You're probably pretty good looking. Just saying. I don't know how good looking you could be back in the day, which is Jesus' sandals on, but she probably was good looking. And so she comes to the well this day, and she sees a man. Is it okay if I get loose this morning? And she sees a man. And not... Now, it's interesting, not only did she have problems with men, and it was awkward that a Jew was there, but men didn't go to the well in this time. And so she sees this man, and it's, it's, it's probability, I'm just coming at a different angle this morning, it's a probability that this woman was thinking that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was there to hit on her. She could have been thinking that Jesus, get me now, Jesus, the Messiah, was at the well to hit on her. And what's funny is, and this is the way my mind works, Jesus makes it worse. He says, excuse me, will you give me a drink? And the, and, and the woman responds, she says, look, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we don't really have any dealings with each other. And then Jesus makes it even worse. He says, if you knew who I was. You'd give me a drink, and I'd give you some living water. You know what I'm saying? Jesus made it worse. Are you with me out there? Did I lose somebody? All of these things are possible feelings that she could have had, but whatever she was thinking, she illustrates something that will always stop us from receiving from God. She allows her perspective to be clouded by past experiences. 
She allows her perspective of this man. Because if, if she would have thought that this man, the seventh man, listen, the seventh man, a Jew, was coming to hit on her at the well. But if we realize something that, about the number seven, the number seven means completion. If she would have stopped and said, those men came to deplete you, but I came to co- deplete you, but I came to complete you. Those things that you're running to in your life came to deplete you, but I'm coming to complete you. If she had realized this in her life and not allowed, allowed her past experience to, cl- to cloud her perspective, she probably could have come to a place in her life of completion. What are you running to this morning? What are you running to to satisfy a, a, a spiritual thirst in your life? What are you running to that you're so thirsty, but every time you drink, it doesn't satisfy, and you still end up dry and thirsty? What well are you dipping your pot in this morning? What well are you running to this morning? Some of us in the room today, we, I believe that we need some completion in our lives, but we're allowing our past perspective to come in and cloud, our past experiences to come in and cloud, uh, and cloud our perspective, and so we're not receiving the blessings that God has for our life. We have to open up our eyes. We have to look to Jesus. This is hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes to not allow our past experiences to creep in. Are you with me out there? It's hard to not allow our, our, our past to creep into our future. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you prejudiced? Not prejudiced against another person because of race, gender, or social status. Are you prejudiced against yourself? Are you prejudiced against God? Let me, let, me, let me explain. Let me explain this to you. Uh, this is what I mean. The definition of prejudice actually means to prejudge a situation before all the facts are in. To prejudge something. And, and, and I believe that some of us get to this place, we say, God didn't do it then, so he won't do it now. Well, I, I messed up then, and I guess I'll just mess up now. You know what? I've been a a, a junkie all my life. I guess I'll just be that for the rest of my life. And we begin to judge those things or prejudge those things before all the facts are in. And if we get to this place where this woman was, if she had recognized the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords was standing right in front of her, the living water was right in front of her, her life could have been so much different in that moment. But she was prejudging before all the facts are in. And so we walk into a situation and we say, I know what this is all about. Yeah, I've been here before. I know what they're all about. I know what's about to happen here. But when we do this with the things of God, it will always bring limitations to our life. We cannot prejudge the things Uh, of our past. We can't prejudge the things of God because limitation will come. We have to allow God to open up our eyes to see that there is more than what happened in our past. There is more than the mistakes that you've made. There is more than the problems that you face. There is more than the financial issues that you're facing. There is more than the prayer that you're praying that you feel like isn't being heard. There is more than your past. You are greater than your past. You're not defined by your past, but rather you're defined by the future God has for you. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Perspective is huge. Perspective is huge. My dad, he used to tell me all the time, son, see it with your mind's eye. I think he got it from Brother Marshall. See it with your mind's eye. If you can't see it, don't even do it. And I'd be like, what is a mind's eye? Like, do I have an eye in my mind? It's, it's kind of weird. 
When people say, see it with your mind's eye, one day I asked him, I said, what are you talking about? He said, you can't receive what you can't perceive. You cannot receive what you can't perceive. For instance, if we come in here every week and we're just sitting here thinking, oh, it's just another Sunday morning service, four songs and a sermon. Hallelujah. Nothing's really going to change. I know what's about to happen. Then that's exactly what we will get. That's exactly what we will get. But if we come in here thinking, oh, I can't wait to get into the presence of God. Oh, I can't wait to lift my hands. I'm going to receive vision for my life this morning. I'm going to receive healing for my body this morning. I'm going to receive a word for my family this morning. Then that's what we will get. If we get to that place in our life where we come in expecting something from God and putting our past behind us and saying my future is in you, then there's nothing that will stop this church and what what God can do in this place. We have to have our perspective on God, but we can limit God. We can limit God with our perspective. If, if they would put Mark 6, chapter 6, verse 1 through 6 up on the screen, it says, he went away, this is Jesus, from there, and he came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath day, he, he began to teach in the synagogue, and, the, and, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except for he healed a few people and laid his hands on a few people that were sick. And then he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So how in the world could Jesus do no mighty work in the own, his own hometown. How could he not do something? Because what was happening is that they were allowing their past experience with Jesus. They knew that Jesus was just some carpenter boy. They were probably thinking, son of God, please. I remember you building birdhouses with, with your daddy Joseph. Son of God. You ain't no son of God, please. And so he walked away in amazement and unbelief. If this woman at the well had the proper perspective, she would have known that this was the Son of God. And he didn't really need to give her a drink. Or she, he didn't really need her to give him a drink, excuse me. What he was trying to display was he was telling this woman that your, your spirit is dry. Your spirit is dry. Because she had been running from relationship to relationship, trying to quench her spiritual thirst with things in the natural. But let me tell you something this morning. There's nothing that can quench your thirst like Jesus can. There's nothing that can quench your thirst like Jesus can. So what are we trying to run to in our lives to quench our spiritual thirst? See, we run to so many things. We, some of us are like this woman. We run from relationship to relationship, uh, trying to feel this need in our life of a, of, a, of a spiritual thirst. But guess what? That'll never work. Some of us run to money into financial status, and, and, and we try to make as much money as we can, and we feel like that's going to fill our, our, the hole in our spirit for our spiritual thirst. But guess what? There's not an amount of money that you can get your hands on that will fill your spiritual thirst. 
Some of us, we run to our image and what we look like, and we should look like this. And if I look just right, then maybe people will accept me. But guess what? God does not look at your outer. He looks at your heart. And if your heart is in the right place, then you can receive the spiritual thirst in your life. These things, there's nothing wrong with all these things. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with looking good and having money. You probably should tap your neighbor and say, you owe me $5 anyway. There's nothing wrong, but they will never satisfy the spiritual hole in our souls. God has called us to drink of the living water. He's called us to chase after him and to dip into his well because then we'll, we'll be wells flowing of living water in our own lives. We'll never have to, to, to go thirsty again. We'll never run dry again. Guess what? Sometimes I hear that people say, man, I, you know, I, 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 just got, I just got thirsty. Sometimes I question, did you ever drink of the living water? I know it just got real. Sometimes people say, I I get burned out. Well, the Bible tells me that my God is an all-consuming fire. And so that means he consumes everything. So were you ever really on fire to begin with? Because, see, we can, and I I feel the Holy Spirit lead me. We We can get up close to the fire and feel the warmth of the other people around us that are in the fire. We used to go camping when I was young, and, and, and we would build these huge campfires. We almost burned the, the lake house down one time. It was fantastic. Uh, we were running out with little cups, like. But we would go and build these campfires, and we would get as close as possible until we started sweating, and we'd back away. Do you know that there's nothing more frightening than being a Christian that is feeling the warmth of other Christians that are in the fire, but you're just standing on the outside? You're thirsty, but you're afraid to jump in. You're thirsty, but you have so many questions, and you're like, well, I, I don't know about that. I might get burned. You know, that water might taste bad. That water fountain out there, you know, whoo, kind of tastes like sewage. So you're afraid to drink. So I brought this water this morning. We shipped this in from the Jordan River, from the Holy Land. I'm just kidding. And some of you may have seen this, and you may have been wondering, what is that water doing up there? Is he that thirsty? I might be. But I feel like some of us are that way with God. We're that way with the living water. We have so many questions. We have so many responses. Well, well, God, uh, I'd go all the way with you. I, I, you know, I, I, would, I, would, I would dive into you. I would drink from your well. I would, do, I would do it. But I just have so many questions. And that questions are fine. But at some point, we have to move past questions and move into faith. We have to move, then we have to move from faith, which is hearing and believing, into relationship, which is chasing and then receiving. We have to move past that thing. And so we have all these questions, and sometimes our questions stop us from receiving the living water. God is wanting to pour out on our lives, and we're at the altar. We're like, well, uh, is this going to have to change, God? I don't know. Let me think about it. And so it stops us from receiving the living water. There are some people that know all about the living water. You know those people. They read water scriptures. They like to go swimming a lot. They have water songs on their iPod. You know, those people. They know all about the, the water. They, they know it. They can tell you the minerals that it's made up, up with. But yet they're thirsty and they're dry. They got all the facts right there. 
But yet they still haven't received because they think that they know it all. And then there are those people. This is, this is the people that crack me up. These are those people that think they know who needs the living water. You ever see one of those people like, oh, look at that dress she's got on. She just needs some water. Did the pastor really just say that? Ooh, shaking my head. He just needs some water. Is the church really doing that? The, the Holy Spirit just needs to pour the water out. And they think they know who needs water, but the truth is they're standing on the outside and they need a drink too. Then there are those people that even doubt the living water. Well, water is a hoax. It never really existed in the first place. Can I be real with you this morning? If that's you, I dare you to get out of your seat and allow God to pour his water on you and see what he wants to do in your life. There's nothing to be afraid of. He's the prince of peace. He's the healer. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have fear in your life. I feel the Holy Spirit moving into the room this morning. There's also those people, they can preach about the living water. They can get you fired up about the living water. Oh, this water, it will satisfy your soul. Oh, this water, it will quench your thirst. But listen to me, leaders, pastors. I could die of thirst holding this water in my hand. Why? They're dehydrated because what they're preaching publicly, they're not consuming privately. If you want to chase after God, you, you don't just do it on a Sunday or a Wednesday. That's when it's easy. You do it at your job. You do it in your school. You do it in your neighborhood. You do it in your community. You do it when you go to the mall and somebody cuts you off and tells you you're number one. That's when it's easy. See, I feel like if Gerald would come help me, I have Gerald here. I want to illustrate to, to you that, that God put this on my heart. I believe that we give up a little bit too easy when we don't get that feeling, when we don't get the goosebumps. You know what I mean? We come and we come to the altar and we're ready to receive and God is, is ready to pour out and maybe we have our hands lifted up a little bit. We're here and, and the, the music's playing nice and it feels good. And we're like, man, this, this feels good. And so maybe we say something like this, God, I want you. I need you to pour out your spirit all over me right now. And then nothing happens. Have you ever been there this morning? Have you ever been there in your life? You feel like you're praying, but the words are just kind of bouncing off the ceiling and hitting the ground. And so, so many times I feel like us uh, that are supposed to be chasing after Jesus, we're like, well, I guess that was pretty good. And we leave. We leave. Listen, I've been there. I've been standing in the front row like, why is everybody like jumping and shouting? I don't feel nothing. But guess what? We come back again. We just get the courage. We say, you know what? I'm going to come back again. Maybe our hands are lifted just a little bit higher. You know, maybe we have a little jump to us. We're excited. We're like, man, the music's playing. It feels great. 
God is going to move today. And so we cry out just a little bit louder. We say, God, I need you. I want you. So pour out your spirit all over me right now. And then nothing happens again. Come on, get, let's get real this morning. You know you've been there. You've been up there. You're singing so loud. All the veins in your neck are popping out. Tears and snot are rolling down your face. You're doing the hokey pokey. You're doing everything you know to do. You're praying and you're praying, but nothing seems to happen. Come on, we've all been in that place. How many know that I'm teaching you something this morning that is not about a feeling? It has nothing to do with your feeling. It has everything to do with your faith. And so God is looking for those people that are thirsty enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to be bound by my feelings. I'm not going to stop because I don't feel something. I'm going to come. The Bible says that those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, righteousness, they shall be filled. They shall be filled. And so I'm going to come with my hands lifted up just a little bit louder. And the band might be singing a song that's touching our heart. And so we start to shout out. We say, God, I need you. I want you, so pour out your spirit all over me right now. And as you begin to worship and the music is playing, the heavens open, and God begins to pour his spirit all over you more and more and more and more in your life. Come on, why don't you give God a hand clap of praise this morning. If you say, I'm thirsty, I need God to pour his spirit all over me. I need to be soaked. I need you, God. Come on, why don't you worship just for a moment and seek after God. Come on, stay in this atmosphere. You know, as awesome as that, that was, and as awesome as that is for God to pour his spirit on you, you know what will happen in about 20 minutes to his shirt? It'll dry up. It'll dry up, and so many times I believe that we want God to pour out on us, and I believe that he does, and I believe that he's pouring it more and more and more, but so many times we walk away and we stopped there. But little did we know God had this glass. There's always more with God. And this glass represents a person that says, you know what? I'm going to drink the living water. I'm going to drink this water because I'm not only going to worship on a Sunday. I'm going to worship at my house. I'm going to read the scripture at my house. I'm going to preach to people that need love, that need healing. I'm going to live for Jesus with everything that I have. So I'm going to drink this living water. And so we have to get to this place in our life where we begin to drink. This is a representation of what a real Christian, a real disciple is. Someone that never gets thirsty again. Someone that begins to drink. Come on, drink it. He he never begins to thirst. Every spiritual thirst that he has is being filled because he's drinking the living water. I believe that this morning there are some people that need God. They're desperate for God to pour his spirit all over their life. But when he does, I want to challenge you that you have to take it to a whole nother level. You have to drink the water. 
You have to consume his word. You have to pray when no one else is watching. You have to, to worship when people, when you're in your car and you don't even know if you're driving straight, but your eyes are closed and people are looking at you like, what are they doing? You have to say, it's all about Jesus. I believe that there are some people in this room as our pastors and prayer partners and elders come. I just wanted to, to, to preach this thought for you this morning and give us some time for those people that have been thirsty and have been hungry for more of God, for God to pour their spirit over them. Maybe, maybe you know, you've been praying and praying and praying and nothing seems to happen. You know, maybe, maybe bad things have been happening to you, but you continue to bless people. Guess what? Continue to bless people. You keep wondering, I'm blessing, but I'm not getting anything in return. But guess what? God is saying, yes, you are. I'm using you to spread the living water to everyone. Jesus has to be your one thing before you get anything. And so if there's some people in this room with eyes closed and hands lifted, if you say, you know what, I need the Holy Spirit to pour all over me. I need the Holy Spirit to pour his spirit all over me. If that's you, don't be afraid this morning. Nobody's looking at you or judging you. Just step out from where you are and let somebody come up here and agree with you and pray for you and worship as they begin to sing. And I pray that God will pour his spirit on every person that has the faith enough to say, you know what? I believe. I'm not going to run out of feeling. I'm coming down and God is going to pour his spirit on your life this morning. If that's you as they sing, you can come.